the amazing thing that it is that he has done for us. The gospel is the, um, it's the story of hope. It's the story infused and it's unabridged. It comes out of trouble, comes out of every testing sort of thing you can imagine. And yet it is just saturated because of Jesus, because God said, I'm not going to let this world perish. And just because of him and the resurrection, it's saturated. This story of the world is saturated with hope. And it's in that spirit that we meet every Sunday and that we meet now at 6 o'clock on this Sunday. I'd like to ask God to bless the reading, the preaching, the hearing, and the doing of his word. Would you join me? Father in heaven, we thank you for the love that you have visited our world with. We thank you that you did not leave it to just flail about and finally die with a whimper or uh, as a burnt-out cinder, but you have brought, come into the world by your Son and by his Spirit, and because of resurrection and ascension and certain second coming, we can live and do your work and look forward to it with confidence and high, high expectation. And we thank you for this blessing to be able to say it and to sing it and to uh, believe it and help us, Lord, to see it more clearly tonight. And we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I'd like to read uh, Psalm 63. A Psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. David, we think, he was, he was fleeing from somebody. It was either fleeing from his own son, Absalom, who wanted him dead, or he was fleeing from Saul, probably one of the two of those. There, he had several other enemies as well, of course. But... Um, he was on the lamb and was in harm's way. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. They who seek my life will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God's name will praise him while the mouths of liars will be silent. People of God, this is the word of the Lord. I don't bring any fresh news to you, 
when I tell you that our world and the times in which we do our living in it is a perilous place. There is danger everywhere and all around. There is, if you're a financial person and in tune with all of that, there is great and tremulous dangers out and about. The housing crisis, the European debt crisis, the, the precarious situation of so many uh, institutions, banks and the like of that, the, the insistent clamor that, that must be paid attention to of those who say this whole system has ignored us. There, there, is, uh, there is a lot of peril. There is peril in the world in terms of wars and rumors of wars. We have had the, Europe, the Arab Spring, and it, it surely is a spring, but it also is fraught with peril. There, if all of these states go and invite Sharia law, if the states that have lost their potentates, their strong, iron-fisted uh, dictators, now, have, now vote for Sharia law and become radical Islamic states, the, the level of danger goes up. We live in perilous times, perhaps personally for you. I know there are great and fearsome diseases around and about, and your congregation uh, with Pastor Greg has, uh, are, are experiencing that in an intimate and, and deeply, deeply personal, frightening sort of way. And uh, we, we pray and earnestly, along as David earnestly seeks God's face, we, we, we earnestly seek God's help and, and the direction for, for how it is the shearing goes in the source, course of treatment they should choose. If, if you're perhaps a, a, a person whose child has turned away, has, has said this this stuff that you have pounded down my throat all my life, it just isn't for me. Now let it be. I want to live the kind of life I... Perhaps that's your life. Perhaps that's part of what keeps you awake at night. And you join David in sleepless nights because of the things you fear. Maybe that's your story. What, I, I could go on and on and on of the dangers that are out there. And we are quite right, because Jesus called us to it. Jesus called us to go to our knees and implore our Father. He, he showed us that we should make our troubles, the dangers that we face, matters of prayer. He said, he gave us the example when he was himself in great peril. He said, um, uh, Lord... Take this away from me, this cup. Uh, Jesus told his disciples in the crowd, he says, uh, ask. When trouble comes, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. Uh, which of you, you fathers, when your son asks him for a fish, will give him a scorpion? No, you, you, you plead with the Lord. You ask him for his intercession. David, too. David, when, when he was in need, did the thing that's, that's natural to us, especially natural to us 
as believing people who believe there is a God there who is with us and intimately involved in our lives. He did, he, when he believed that, he said to you in Psalm 28, he said, to you I call, O Lord, my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. For if you remain silent, I will be like those who have gone down to the pit. I, I need help, Lord. It's appropriate for us in such times to go to God that way. In Psalm uh, 28, again, he says, Hear my cry for mercy. As I call to you for help, I lift up my hands toward your most holy place. These, these are calls from out of the, the, the gut of us. And sometimes they, they, we don't even have words to be able to say just what it is we fear, but, but we go to a place, to a person, to a, a being, a person who does. And so we sometimes pray without even words to say it right. All of that's appropriate. But tonight we have something very very different when it comes to how we should go to God in the midst of perilous, dangerous, scary, and frightening times. What well, we have in Psalm 63, David, David is faced with three dangers, three perils, if you will. Um, in verse 5, verses 1 through 5, we see that he's in a dangerous place. He's in the desert. It's a dry and waterless place. And the threat to his life is high. Just by the fact that there is no water, that there is no food. He does, doesn't have the nourishment that his body needs. And, of course, we would immediately think, well, get on your knees and seek God's help. Have him send some manna, send some water, send some, send some help, send some food, some nourishment. In verses 6 through 8, there's a different kinds of danger. It's nighttime. The watches of the night. And if you've ever been in danger's way, and you know that the threat level doesn't go down when night falls. There's all sorts of new threat comes around and about. And then in verse 9, we see that there's not just this sort of general danger going on there is a a person who has a bullet with david's name on it there is a personal enemy someone who specifically wants him dead so so there's those, those three threats now if if we were in such a situation as is that it's entirely appropriate that among the very first things we would do is do the natural thing that for, for us as people, people of God, we'd go to our knees and say, God, help me, bring help. And that's appropriate. That's not, however, the kind of prayer that David prays. In this situation, David prays a hymn of praise. He praises God. Not for the trouble, but he praises God in the midst of the trouble. And that's a really significant difference. No one but a foolish person, I think, would, would say, oh, 
here comes another crisis. Thank you, Lord, because this will really help me get it right. If I really suffer a little bit more, it, we, we, we don't do that. We don't ask God to send trouble. But David's prayer here is much like that of what Paul says. He says, offer praise and thanksgiving, he says to the Thessalonians, in these circumstances, in all circumstances. We aren't thankful for the trouble, but in the midst of it, we offer thanks and praise to God. It's a remarkable thing when you think about it. Maybe in, in some ways, maybe not so remarkable because we, 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 it only takes a little bit of reminding of ourselves to, to spot places where people who are in trouble are doing this very thing. They're calling out and offering praise to God even in the midst of the things that trouble. Let's look just a little bit closer at this psalm. In verses 1 through 5, it's the desert. It's geography that's causing him trouble. It's a dry, thirsty land. There's no water. There's no food. And he says, not, Lord, I'm hungry. Lord, I'm thirsty. He says a remarkable thing. He says, in this dry and weary land, but there's no food, my soul thirsts for you. My body longs for for you. Sure, food, water, of course. But he says, my need for you, the, the, the famine that I'm feeling in my heart, the dryness that I'm feeling in my spirit, those don't get answered by, by water and food. Those get answered by you. And, and he says, but I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. You see, there's a thing here. David's not in the sanctuary. David's out in the scary place. He's out in the wilderness. He's out in the desert. He's, he's far, far away from that, that Old Testament temple where the Holy of Holy was, and that if you wanted to find God, if you wanted to be up close to him and be nourished by God, that's where you went. You went to the temple to get close to God. Now, he's far, far away, and he can't get there. So he's, 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 he's experiencing this longing, this desperate longing. He says, but I have seen you. He remembers. He recalls times where he was able to be there. In, in, in David's case, the tabernacle. And he does this remarkable thing. He glorifies God. He gives God praise. Because your love is better than life. He says, yeah, I'm, I'm in some serious trouble here, and my life is at risk, but the thing that really counts now, and it's a reminder to himself, and certainly all the readers that follow, the thing that really counts is you and your presence in my life. And because of that, I will praise you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul, this is an amazing verse, verse 5. My soul will be satisfied as if I had the richest of foods. He says, this is going to fill me up, Lord. I am going to 
be in relationship with you still, even though I can't get to the tabernacle. And that will satisfy me. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Friends, he's, he's anxious for food and water, for sure. He wants, he wants something nourishing to put in his mouth. But even in such circumstances, and this is such a beautiful piece of, just in terms of, of, of the study of poetry, he, he needs stuff to come into his mouth, right? He needs to be able to eat and to drink. But he's, something that really satisfies him comes out of his mouth. And it's praise. My soul will be satisfied with the richest of foods in with singing lips my mouth will praise you. And not just a little scrap. Not just some K-rations. With the richest of foods. I, I am going to be filled up. This We have a little bit of trouble with this, I think. The whole notion of praise. Especially in the Bible. We... In the Psalter, among many other, we, we, we see it just almost constantly. It's almost like a, a drumbeat. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise Him in the sanctuary, praise Him, this, praise Him, praise Him, praise Him. And if we are in a sort of skeptical sort of mind, we sometimes, we don't maybe tell this to everybody, but we sometimes think if He's really so great, why does he have to be told it all the time? We all know people who are always clamoring for praise, right? I, I had a boss once, and this was a, a, a man who, I, he just, he must, I don't know what happened in his childhood, but he, but he just, he, he demanded praise. He, he, he one time was taking, this was in a 7-Eleven, he was one time, taking down books, and he, he had a green, green ink in his bick. And he says, most of the other managers use black or blue. I use green. And I thought, oh. <laughs> this was the, and so he, he, was, he was saying, I, I want some attention. And I, I can laugh at him, and, but, but I don't respect that. Everyone knows a woman who was always sort of just trying to, always trying to drag compliments out of you. That's, that's someone that you can love and someone that you can be aware of. Oh, they have had a lack sometime in their life. But that's not someone that you say, oh, yeah, well, you've, we'll praise you some more. That's, you, you, you feel sorry. For someone like that. What are we to do with all of these demands and calls to praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord? And especially when it's sometimes as when the, when the psalmist says, you know, God, if you don't save me here, there won't be as many people praising you. Sometimes the psalmist uses praise and prayer as a way to manipulate God. That's what we have in, in Psalm 106, verse 47. Save us, Lord, and gather us from the earth that, so that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. It's basically, Lord, if, if you 
don't deliver us from this, the, the praise is going to go down, so you better help us so that we can praise you. We have trouble with this when we're honest about it. One of, one of the reasons why second services in churches has the attendance has gone down and down and down is a lot of times people say, well, you know, we were here this morning and, and, we, and, we, and we told him once today that he was great and greatly to be praised and we, we sang and we prayed and we heard his word. And it, once ought to be enough. I think that's one of the things that goes on. But we need to ask about that. Did you ever notice that praise just naturally flows out of the things you value? This, this picture is pretty high competition for a preacher up here. I mean, we, we, when you drive down a beautiful road and see, oh, it makes my knees weak, it's so beautiful. Look, look at that, look, how beautiful. When we, I, I went bike riding yesterday with my wife, and I don't know how many times we didn't say, it is just such a beautiful day. The things that we've, have you ever said, oh, this is a burger. <laughs> we do that. The things that we value, we naturally praise. I don't know how many of you are insane Chicago football fans, but I bet you if you are, you were jumping up and down and hollering praise at that interception with 20-some seconds left of, uh, what's the guy, D.J. Moore's interception today. <laughs> oh, did you see that? Come in here, dear. Look at him do the replay. Come on, look at this. You know, that's, that's what we do. We, we can't help but praise the things that we value. And I want to let us know that the psalmist's in their saying, praise the Lord, is calling on God's people to simply do the natural thing to the thing that we value the most. Another thing that is about that is that we can't, not only do we not, do, do, do we value things, whether they be a beautiful day or a, a great play or a of, uh, you know, isn't she lovely, we'll say. Or what, what, a, what a wonderful service that was. Or sometimes we've been to the symphony or, or to a, a play and we jump to our feet. And, uh, we, we don't worry. We don't say, well, you know, if we applaud and go all crazy like that, th this person's going to get a big head and we maybe better not do it because they've already been, you know, they, they're, we don't do that. When somebody uh, hits, you know, five three-pointers in a row from your school, we don't say, oh, well, we cheered at the first one, but they're going to, this will go to their head, and it's not good for their humility quotient, so we better just sit on our hands for these last four. We don't do that. We, we say, well, we jump up with, and we want other people to join us. It's very frustrating to to have something that you really value, that you like a lot, uh, that, that then there's nobody to share it with. 
If there's a wonderful book that you've read and you just say, Man, this, is, this is great. And, and there's no one to say, look, read this. Look at that. If you have a, if you have a joke, a joke that's just going to, it's really frustrating until you find the first people to tell it to. I mean, can you imagine, think back to the last time you had a bit of news. And not, I do think it has to be said, we do this same thing with vicious stuff. We do this, we do this with gossip. Just cannot wait to get on the phone or tell this person or get on the keyboard and relay this, this little tidbit. We, you know, that we're just, because we know people are going to say, what? Are you kidding? Really? <sighs> if, but if you can recall the last time when you had a bit of news that you knew was just going to bring a thrill, bring a squeal of delight, you could hardly wait to tell it. You just could hardly stand it because it was... That is what... If, if you imagine that and God being the very best thing that's ever happened to you, the most wonderful being, the one who sits enthroned far, far away and surrounded by creatures that would have us on our knees and trembling if we could just even get a glimpse of them, But who, who is enthroned in majesty, who has created this beautiful world, and who also is intimately, deeply concerned about you and yours. There's nothing better that you can think of than that. And if you can think of praise as that, then I think our praise problem gets answered pretty quickly. And recognize also what we learn here from David is that this praise results in relief of his spiritual dryness. I, that's the one thing I think that in perilous times we go to God and we plead for help and again rightly rightly do it. But the thing that relieves spiritual dryness isn't oh God take this dryness away. Make me all excited and about you again. No. The thing that relieves spiritual dryness is doing this thing that comes naturally to us about every other thing that we value. Praise. Adoration. You are God and you are the best thing that's ever happened to anybody and certainly to me. Quickly, on to threats number two and three. Threat number two, it's a different kind of threat. It's night. He says in verse 6, On my bed I remember you. I think of you in the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I'm here in the shadow of your wings. That, that's a place of protection. That's a place of sanctuary. 
That's a place of where those bad guys aren't going to get me here. I'm in the shadow of your wings. You, you are holding me close. You have gathered me in like, 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 like a little chick. You have gathered me in. He said, and he says in verse 8, my soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. So, yeah, the, the danger goes up come nightfall, especially when you're on the lam and people are after you and, and there's lots and lots of trouble, no matter what that trouble is. The, the, and if those of you who stay, lay awake nights and worry about um, dreadful diseases or wayward children or what am I going to do about, about work? What am I going to, what are we going to, if, if, those, if that characterizes your night, and there's none of us impervious to that, this psalm is an invitation for you to remember what David did in such times. And, and what he did was he thanked, he praised, and that was a vehicle for him by which God helped him feel secure. And uh, I suppose he didn't go to sleep when it was his turn to be on the watch, but when it was his turn to sleep, I'm just supposing this. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think, I you can't imagine that David went to sleep on the watch, can you? But anyway, when it was his time to sleep, I'm convinced that he went to sleep. And then finally, the third threat is that there is someone who Oh, I'm sorry, I need to go back. He, in verse 67, he says, um, I sing in the shadow of your wings. That, that's a really strong word for sing. It isn't just sing. The actual translation of that word is shout with a ringing cry. This is, maybe you don't want to do this at night. You might wake somebody up that getting their well-deserved sleep. But this is what the, the word is. It's a jubilant victorious, clear, loud, I suppose, cry. It's loud and it's ringing. It's full of hope. Because he has seen God do this, because he's seen him there, I am going to be confident, and I can be confident, and I am confident about what lies in the future. Why? Because medical science is going to do this, because someone might come in and touch my son, my daughter's life, and turn them around. Uh, because this is God's world, and I am a part of it. Finally, the third threat is that, that there's somebody that wants him dead. There is either his son, God forbid, what an awful thought that is. A, uh, a man's own son is the one who wants him dead, but that's certainly what it was with David. Uh, verse 9, they who seek my life will be destroyed. So my enemies, the ones who are after me, cannot succeed. I don't know if any of you have ever had a particular enemy. I mean, there's been, there's been troubles, but if there's ever been someone who had a bullet with your name on it, someone who specifically wanted to cause you trouble for who knows what reason. You maybe know a bit of the sense of this. 
They can't succeed, David says. Why? Again, because of the source of his hope, because he is God's person. Verse 11 finally says, But the king will rejoice in God, and all who swear by God's name will praise him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. Friends, a critical thing here is that praise comes out of the mouth. Those, those fill me, Lord, help me, Lord, come to me, deliver me, that, that's all appropriate. No one would ever, but at least as appropriate and arguably more because of what the psalmist says here of all these praise the Lord's, praise the Lord, give thanks to God, glorify his name. All of those calls to praise the Lord that we have in the scriptures, it's at least arguable that the calls for us to praise and to thereby be filled and be nourished and goodbye to dryness of soul and pinchness of spirit and empty longingness of the heart. There's the strong message here that at least as important is that. Praise comes out of the mouth. It's something that we urge other people to, hey, come here, get a look at this. That's what we do. That, that's part of the wonder of praise. It's, it's, it's overflowing, it's giddy, it's, it's quiet. But it's real, and it gives us nourishment. I uh, was re- acquainted with the story of a, of a pastor friend who was one time visiting an aged lady who was in the nursing home and was dying of a really vicious cancer that was, that was um, causing her tremendous pain. And the doctors said, morphine, morphine, get, get this woman some morphine. She can't stand this. And she, she, she refused it. She wouldn't have it because she says, and I don't know that this is wise. Certainly, I don't think me- the medical people thought it was wise. But anyway... She said, I, it, it's going to dull me up. I, 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 don't want, I don't like what happens when I take that stuff. So she says, I, 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 it's just, this, these are my last days, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live them to the full. I don't want to be dulled and stupid in my last days. And that's, so she was, that's what she was dealing with. And that's, so the pastor came and was, was, you know, they were visiting together, talking about the Lord and things. And um, he says, well, I have to go. And then he didn't know if he would see her again. He said, I have to go. Um, how, how about a song? Uh, you have a favorite? And she says, oh, they're all good. But uh, she says, you pick it out. But please, make it one of praise. Friends in Christ, um, what has God done for you? Is, that, is, that, is he worthy of praise? What hasn't he done for you? He's worthy of our praise. And also worthy, then, of that resolve to get up in the morning and face whatever this next day brings with confidence and filled with the wonderful hope that is ours in Christ Jesus.